right, we're going to be finishing up Romans 11, Lord willing, this morning. No, we are. <laughs> and uh, our Old Testament reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 7. I'm going to ask you to please turn with me your Bibles to Deuteronomy 7, verses 1 through 10. And then we'll go over to Romans chapter 11, verses 25 through 36, and finish up this section as Paul has a real heart for uh, his kinsmen of the flesh, for, for the Jewish people, and the Lord's not done with them. We're going to see that this morning. And then just uh, a reminder, I forgot to let you know, I will be on vacation this week. So if you have any questions, let the elders know, and uh, Elder Luke will be preaching next week, so you don't want to miss that. So uh, that's just what's coming up next week. Deuteronomy chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. A chosen people says this, When the Lord your God brings you into the land that you're entering to take possession of it and clears away many nations before you, he's going to clear away the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations more numerous and mightier than you. And when your Lord, your God, gives them over to you and you defeat them, then you must devote them to complete destruction. You shall make no covenant with them and show no mercy to them. You shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons. For they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord would be kindled against you and you, and he would destroy you quickly. But thus you shall deal with them. You shall break down their altars. You shall dash in pieces their pillars and chop down their asherim and burn their carved images with fire. And then verse 6. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any of the other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you are the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of, the, of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore, that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. And we will end the reading there in Deuteronomy. Now over to Romans chapter 12, I'm sorry, chapter 11, beginning in verse 25. And again, just here's Paul's heart for for the people of Israel, and there was a there was a worry. Why aren't any of the Jewish people really coming? The gospel's going out. The people that aren't Jewish, the Gentiles, are receiving him. But what about the you know what about us? What's going on here? So Paul's really been explaining that from uh, really chapter nine and through eleven. So he continues to do that, and there is um, that joy of salvation for his people. So. Beginning in verse 25, the mystery of Israel's salvation, Paul says, lest you be wise in your own sight as he's speaking to the Gentiles. <clears throat> I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers, that a partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. 
As regards to the Gospels, they are enemies for your sake. But as regards for election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are are irrevocable. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have now been disobedient in order that that, that by mercy shown to you, they may they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. And we'll end the reading there this morning. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you and praise you. Again, as we come before your word, pray that your spirit would be upon us to help us, Lord. Help us to stay engaged in our hearts and our minds, to see your work, Lord, to see how your unfolding redemption is progressing, Lord, how your plan is coming to fruition. And we can have confidence in that and that we are called to be faithful, to preach that gospel, Lord God, to pray for the lost, to be um, a light in, in the darkness. So we do thank you and praise you. Pray that you would be with me to bring forth, Lord, your precious word, even as all of us sit at the feet of our teacher, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so what is going on with Israel? Let's answer that question finally as we've been going through this. What's happening with ethnic Israel here? Um, when you ask that question, that's a loaded, loaded, loaded question because within the Christian community, there are a lot of different answers to that. Am I right? right? You know that, especially when it comes to eschatology, how we view ethnic Israel. What's their place in God's plan? Do they have a place in God's plan? What's going on? So you have answers in this when we talk about Israel. Is God through with ethnic Israel? Answers ranging from, yes, he's absolutely through with them. Like, you know, he has nothing to do with them. It's it's over now, you know, since since we come into this uh, covenant, this dispensation, this covenant time that really there's, He's pretty much done with Israel. Now, there are other Christians who say, no, 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 no. He's going to go all the way. He's going to reestablish the theocracy. You know, there's going to come back with the temple and the worship and everything that's going on there. So it's not an easy subject. It does require a lot of grace, a lot of charity, understanding that we are in Jesus Christ and there are going to be differences in different, different passages. Nevertheless, we need to pursue that and seek to get to God's truth in all of that. So, we know from our reading, especially uh, through these through these chapters, but especially in chapter eleven, that Paul has a heart for ethnic Israel, not just those that are you know saved, but for the his brothers and sisters that are lost. They need the gospel. They need it, and he knows it. So he has a heart for them. And according to this, God does have a plan for ethnic Israel. He really does. He's not quite through with ethnic Israel at this time. That's what's coming through in these passages. We know that. Now, simply put, we know that the teaching here is that before the return of Christ, that many, a multitude of people as an ethnic group who have, by and large, rejected Christ Right? Even as, even as a nation, understand that. They by and large rejected Christ, but, but even 
though it's a nation that was chosen by God, we read that in Deuteronomy chapter 7, you guys are chosen by me to be a light unto the world. That was a big deal for them, bringing forth all the oracles of God and the things of the Lord. They were, they had that privilege. They had a part in making Jesus known. Jesus was a Jew coming forth, um, from Israel in that way. So there's, and that's a great irony, isn't it? You know, here they have all the advantages, all the oracles of God, the prophets, the promises, the types, the shadows, Christ being born. And yet they've by and large rejected him. And so that's, that's what, what an irony in, in many ways. But, This points back to God's faithfulness, his grace and his mercy. It still abides, and many will be saved. That's what the thrust of the teaching is here in this section, especially in chapter 11. So don't you, let's not get hung up on uh, the church being true Israel, because it is. There's no doubt about that. Scriptures teach that, on the one hand. And on the other hand, let's not get cut up on the fact that there is ethnic Israel. There are still people that are Jewish by heritage, right? That is their ethnicity. We know that there many are back in the land, and many more are spread throughout the world. I think New York City has a higher population um, than Tel Aviv or in Jerusalem, I think, put together. So there's not every Jew is back in the land, but they are back there in that way. So, so that's that not shouldn't be a problem for us in that way. It doesn't change the fact, and here's what I want you to understand and to know, that the truth... In truth, the church is the fullness of Israel. That's what it is. It's kind of that, um, people say it's replacement theology. It's not necessarily replacement theology, but it's more completion theology. And we know that from the New Testament. Everybody who truly believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian this morning, you know what? You are truly, in essence, uh, a, a spiritual Jew, a true Jew in that way. That's exactly what Scripture teaches. Even in Galatians, Paul writes in Galatians chapter 6, verse 16. Now, he's coming to the end of his letter. And the whole context of the letter was was not adding there were there were Ju- Judaizers Christian Jews saying that look here's what you need to do believe in Jesus but then you also need to be circumcised if you're a male Paul said no 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 now that's we're not doing that they're not Jews we we are Christian so a Jew in the truest sense is the one who believes in Jesus Christ so even at the end of the letter he says and as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, upon the Israel of God. So as he's writing to that congregation, he's writing to a church that had Gentiles like us and Jews, but they're one in Jesus Christ, the Israel of God. Now that's very controversial against with many of our uh, other Christian brothers and sisters, but that would be for another time, a discussion for another time. Um, We know in Romans 10, not all of Israel is Israel. Who's true Israel? Those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We saw last week and in the previous week, Romans 2, 25 through 28. Who's a true Jew? What's it mean? For the one who is a Jew, I'm sorry, for no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart. By the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. So really, that's that's what it is. Our, our hearts are circumcised. We're renewed in the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we are Christians. Philippians three three, Paul says, "We are the we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus. Put no confidence in the flesh whatsoever. We are the true circumcision. If you believe in Christ, that these were different." Um, Ideas for, for, for the Jewish people. This is who we are. We talked about the olive tree 
um, last week. There's one olive tree that represents Israel. Who is Israel? One people, the Jews and the Gentiles who were grafted in, believers of all ethnicities. Ephesians 2, 11 through 19, we read that last week, the two being one. So there's, there's that, that's absolutely who we are in Christ. And yet, and yet, God is not through with ethnic Israel. That's Paul's point here. He's making it clear. He's making, here he's making a clear distinction between Jew and Gentile. Even though we're one in Christ, he's still saying, my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. He knew that they weren't converted, but they were still his kinsmen. It's like your tribe, man. Like, you know, we're Italian. We still have our tribe, our ethnicity. So there's that, that concern for those people and he makes a distinction. So what he does here, he gives us a little, kind of behind the curtain look at what God's doing. And he, he says that in verse 25, he says, lest you be wise in your own sight, because he doesn't want us to be puffed up, because we're getting the gospel right now, but don't be arrogant towards the Jews. They're, they're, they have a place in God's redemptive history, and they've done much to bring forth the uh, things of Christ. So he says, don't be wise in your own sight. I don't want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. That's a big deal. So what's he he's saying here? There's a mystery. So it is. So if you're going through this, and it is confusing at times. Okay, who's Israel? Who's not Israel? Is God done with Israel? Is he not done with Israel? What's So there's there's things that are difficult to understand. Something that's hidden that needs to be revealed, and God is revealing that. That's what Paul's saying. It's, it's, it is hard to understand, but here's the mystery. Here's this idea that a partial hardening has taken place. And it does make sense, doesn't it? Because so much, again, if you think about Israel, if you think about the Jewish nation, all the advantages, everything that they had, it's just like the church today. We have so much by way of Christ Jesus. Do you know how privileged you are to understand the nature of man that we're sin, the nature of God that he's holy, the, the person and work of Jesus Christ, your friends, your neighbors, the people that you work with, they don't, if you told them this, they'd be like, what are you talking about for the most part, right? Not many people, especially today, when we talk about the sinfulness of man and, and our need to repent and believe on Christ, that doesn't go well with a lot of people. We have that. And it's so frustrating and it's heartbreaking when you see kids raised in the church when the gospel's preached to them and then they go and they, they take off, they just leave. They leave their first love, they leave Christ. Well, that's kind of, don't you want them to come back, know him in that way? Paul's saying with the Jews, a partial hardening has taken place on Israel. Not all, there was a remnant, but there was so many that just weren't buying it anymore. They weren't believing in Christ. They weren't trusting in Christ. And that continues to this day. And now he says it's going to happen, and there's a time stamp here. It's a time frame. It's going to be that way. There's going to be a hardening until. So that means there's going to be a time when when that's going to change, when that hardening is going to go away, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And that's a very, you talk about mysterious, and you know what does that mean? Does that mean every single elect person who's not of Jewish descent comes in? Does it mean, you know, times when the Gentiles are reconciled with it? We'll leave it mostly at when God's plan of salvation for his people comes to fruition, then he's going to turn back to to the Jews in that way. So in uh, Luke chapter 21, we see this from the Lord Jesus Christ as he talks about this very time. And it's the time we're living in right now. It's pretty exciting because this was written so long ago, nearly 2,000 years ago, and here we are living this. Listen to what Jesus said about the Jews. 
He says, and this is referring to A.D. 70. In A.D. 70, Jerusalem was destroyed. And from that time, from 70 A.D. or A.D. 70, Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple was destroyed. The Jews were scattered. They were gone. They were just all over. That's why they called them the wandering Jews. One country to the next, you know, going through lots of difficulties, but always remaining, keeping their identity intact. That's really, really interesting, isn't it? Because there are so many others. Those names that I read of those in Deuteronomy 7, the Hivites, Hittites, where are they? The Jews have stayed together. There's, there's, that's very significant. Um, but, but here they are. Jesus says this, beginning in verse 20. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are inside the city depart, and let those who are out in the country enter, I'm sorry, and let not those who are out in the country enter in. For these are the days of vengeance, to fulfill all that is written. Alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. For there will be a great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And see that? And that's what Paul, and that's right now. We're in that time. Now it is interesting, and people say, well, now you have people back in that land, at least part of that land. And so it's just a very interesting time that we're living in. But in the meantime, this is when the gospel's going out to the Gentiles. This is where we've benefited from, right? It's gone out from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. So we, we're beneficiaries even of this difficulty among the Jews. Paul's saying that because of their disobedience, the gospel comes to you. So we praise God for that. And even the Jews were surprised because back then, you know, this, this whole idea was, was for the Jews. But now it's going out to the Gentiles. So we, they were even surprised in Acts chapter 11 when Paul's explaining that God's bringing the gospel to, to all people. Uh, they were saying this, well, they heard these things, I'm sorry, that Peter was saying, and they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. So now, the times of the Gentiles, the gospel's going out fully, fully. And then, in the meantime, Israel, there's a partial hardening. There's coming a time when that won't be the case. There's coming a time, not that Israel's going to be reconstituted as a theocratic nation. And that's where we get into some issues with some other believers. Okay, we can go back and forth with that. But it's, it's not that planned where, you know, he, they're going to come back as a theocratic nation. Um, like, like God doesn't have an altogether separate plan for Israel. He has a plan for the, for the Gentiles of church, but then he's going to go back to Israel, kind of picking up where he left off, you know, um, after Jesus was crucified and in 70 AD. Now we're going to kind of go back to that. So, so now's the time of the Gentiles. And it's not that the Lord's going to say, okay, now we're done with the Gentiles. Now, where were we? We're going to pick up where we left off with you. It's, it's not that. They're not going to go back to the land in its fullness or the temple or the priesthood or the sacrifices. Christ fulfilled that. All of that. It's, now you say, well, they're in the land. Okay, granted, they're in the land. But it's not like, when they came out of Egypt into the land, like I read in Deuteronomy 7, we're coming in as a covenant people, and you're going to worship me. It's not like when they came back from the 
the uh, Babylonian captivity. We're coming back as God's people. It's not like that. Israel, even as it's constituted today, is far from a theocracy. So those were, that was the theocracy. You're, you're coming back as my people. There's going to be the temple. There's going to be worship. We're going to institute it. It's not like that now. So if you think of Israel today, there's a lot of different political factions just all over the map, you know, similar to, to, to the United States. Um, religiously, they're very diverse. Very diverse. It's not like a unified, okay, we are worshiping God. We're coming back as God's people. We're looking to Him for the most part. It's not like that. Not, not by a long shot. They have Orthodox Jews. They have Reformed Jews that would be more liberal or actually liberal. Conservative Jews, secular Jews, pluralism, all kinds of like coexist as a big deal right now in Israel. So it's not coming back in the way constituted like in the theocracy as it was when the Lord brought them into the land or brought them back from captivity. Just know that and understand that. But he does go on to say, verses 26 and 27, and in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it's written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob, and this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. He's quoting from Isaiah, the prophet, and he says all of Israel when he says that, he's not concerned about bringing them back as a theocracy. Okay, no, we're not going to build everything up. We're not going to get the temple. We're not going to bring back the sa- It's The idea behind that is not a theocracy, but a true conversion of his people, that they would be t- really turning to Jesus Christ, a regrafting in of the olive of the olive branches, the broken branches. Now we're bringing you back in and there's going to be a fullness fullness there. It's like in uh, verse 15, the acceptance of life from death or full inclusion of verse 12 that we read last time. So that's the idea that's going on here. It's about salvation. And you can say, well, what about the land? Okay, the land is wonderful. It's strong symbolism of where the fullness of the gospel was realized in Jesus Christ. That's amazingly strong symbolism. It's like the gospel went out from there and it's going to come back to it, like almost full circle in that way. So, so there's something to be said about that. But the idea is that there's going to be God's people, just a, a kind of a great awakening before for the Jews, for the Jewish people before the return of Christ. And I think that's what Paul's really getting at here. And and I'm not saying anything that's, you know, unique or new. I'm really borrowing from those who went before me, that's for sure. A lot of the, uh, many of the reformers, many of the Puritans, like John Owen, J.C. Ryle, a little bit later on, Ch- Charles Haddon Spurgeon, this was their teaching as well, that God would recon, now this is a long time before Israel was back in the land, that Israel would be brought back to the land in that way, and then there would be a massive turning to the Lord Jesus Christ. So these guys were writing in the 17, 1800s, and as they were preaching on these texts, specific Old Testament texts as well as Romans 11, this is where they concluded. And it is kind of cool because right now there are people back in that land and the, this idea of them coming back, not to be reconstituted as a theocracy, but for the gospel fullness to go out among them. So it, it is that outpouring of grace, and we'll see the gospel take root once again. So um, even uh, Charles Spurgeon was preaching from Ezekiel 37, and he said specifically that he believed that there would be Jews coming back to the land 
before conversion, before the time of Christ. And it's just kind of interesting because that's, you know, we're seeing them back in the land, and we know that the gospel is going out. So another thing he says, when he says all Israel, it doesn't mean every single person in Israel is going to be saved, every single Jewish person is going to be saved. No, but the idea that this is going to be a great, on a, on a large scale, like some people say, no, it's incremental. Since Christ left, yeah, Jews are always going to be saved. And then at the end, there'll be a, a nice group of Jews that are saved. It doesn't seem like Paul is teaching that here. It seems like there's just the way that they rejected Jesus and said, no, go away. We don't want you. No, we're done with you. And there's a heavy rejection towards Christ. Just the same way they're going to love him. And there's going to be that outpouring of, of grace. And, and just as much as they, as hard as they rejected him is how hard they're going to love him and accept him and receive him. And that's going to be a wonderful witness to the world. That's really what Paul seems to be bringing forth. It's when he says all Israel is going to be saved. On the scale of their rejection will be the scale of their conversion. So just as much as they hated him, that's how much they're going to love him. And it happens even with us as individuals, right? You know some people that just hated God. Not everybody who's become a Christian, but there are certain people that just would make fun of you and just ridicule you and laugh at you and mock God and just hate him so much, and then they're converted. And what happens to them? They're some of the people that love Christ the most. They're out there preaching, and they're bold, and they're not ashamed. That's the idea here. Just as many, as, 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 as much as they reject him, now they're going to love him and the world is going to see that. They're going to be from obstinate, an obstinate people to a compliant and obedient people, a hardened people to a softened people, a heart of stone to a heart of flesh, closed to the thing of Christ to now wide open to Christ, rejecting to receiving and rejoicing in him. That barrier is going to be removed and the gospel is going to go out and they're converted en masse. That's the, 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 the sense of what Paul's teaching here. And amen to that. And it's cool for us because even though right now that seems impossible, nothing's impossible for God, is it? And the, the way things are, are moving and, and t- trending, you could see this. We're living. That's why it's a living word. And, 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 the, and the prophecies are, are, are coming forth. He's, he, pre, he says from Isaiah, right? The deliverer will come from Zion. He'll banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them, and I will take away their sins. Paul grounds his teaching in Scripture. He's not just, it's just not like wishful thinking. Oh, I wish all my people would be saved. I'm hoping they'll be saved. Come on. This is going to, he's grounding it in Scripture. It's not simply wish. It's not a faint hope. It's not a dream. It's not just a desire. It's prophetic. It's promise, and it's fact. Because he's applying this Scripture, this prophecy, to unredeemed Jews in the future who will be saved. That's what he's saying here. So I think we have Isaiah 59, 20 and 21, the whole um, passage. And Paul's applying this to the Jewish nation. He says, And a Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from transgressions, declares the Lord. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you, and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. Do you see that? That's a promise from God. That's a covenant from God. That's a that's perpetual. He has that language there. I'm not going to forget. And Paul's using that to say, to ground his teaching, yes, there's going to come a time when there's going to be an outpouring. These branches, they're going to be grafted back in. And we need to understand that as his people. 
So, he goes on to say, in verse 28, as regards to the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. <sighs> Again, that's tough. They're enemies for our sake. Because they rejected him, the gospel in God's sovereign plan comes to the Gentiles. We're beneficiaries of that. Isn't that amazing? But as regards to election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience. So they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they may all, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. So there it is. Because of their disobedience, we benefit from that. Even as they've rejected him. So just think about it. Even today, enemies, not like our enemies, oh, we hate enemies in terms of disbelief. Like you should think, guys, of all people, you should know Christ. You have him. You read about him every day if you read the Old Testament. Jesus said, if you were in my class on Thursday night, everything written about me is in the Old Testament. He interpreted for, for them from the, from the law, from the prophets, and from the Psalms, all the things written about him. So when a Jewish person's reading, they're reading about Christ, and you're so close. Isaiah 53, you're so close to Christ. Come on. He's pierced for our transgressions. But there's rejection. There's unbelief. There's that hardening. Right? So you have it today. Even today, even with our Jewish friends, you have Orthodox Jews who really pretty much aren't crazy at all about Christians, and they're not crazy about Christians being in the promised land at all. You could look that up and check that out. They're not very friendly towards many Christians. But then you have the conservative Jews, who many of us know, that's the largest majority, I think it is. Um, anyway, and they're kind of friendly with, with the Christians, and, and, you know, there's, but, but there's still are, we're not going to go there, we're not going to go to the New Testament, we're not going to go to Jesus, but they're friendly towards Christians. And then you have the Reform Jews. These are just three big, broad categories. But they're the liberals, just like the liberals here. It doesn't matter. You can believe whatever you want, and they'll kind of accept you in that way. But see, that's that's what it is. So they're enemies for our sake. They're not going to come to Christ. You know, we have our Jewish friends we talk to. Obviously, the called and the remnant will, but en masse, for the most part, they still maintain that distinction. Right? You know that. Enemies in that term. But then he says in terms of election, they're his. Now, this isn't the election of being foreordained, set apart for salvation. This is an election as a nation that we talked about, that we read about in Deuteronomy chapter 7. This is a nation that I chose. doesn't mean that everybody in that nation is saved. But this is a nation that I chose to be a light unto the other nations. That's why you can't intermarry with them. That's why you can't take their daughters, because once you do that, you're going to be corrupt. You're going to start worshiping their gods, and that, that happens with us all the time. That's why the Bible says don't be unevenly yoked. If you're a Christian, you don't go seeking out people that are not Christians, because you're not really going to convert them. They'll end up converting you. So God's saying, please don't. You know, don't mingle with them. Your sons are going to serve them. You need to be pure, showing forth these things. That's the election he's talking about, as his people in that way, right? In God's providence, as he chose his people to be a light unto the nations. Um, and as unfaithful as they've been, and this is the grace of God and the mercy of God, as unfaithful as they have been or proven to be, his promise his covenant faithfulness remains. That's what we love about God so much. Because which one of us is faithful to him? How faithful are you to him? 
Aren't you glad he still loves you? Aren't you glad every time you sin, that if you had that standard, when you sin against him, when you deny him, when you go your own way, that he doesn't leave you, that he still loves you, that he forgives you, that he will not abandon you. He keeps you, okay? That's the grace and mercy of God. And we can't, we never take that for granted. And we never despise that when God shows grace and mercy to others. Because we're recipients of that grace and mercy. Without his grace and mercy, we're doomed to hell, bottom line. His grace and mercy will be shed upon them, and all of those who belong to him will be brought near to him. So we see that. I say all this this morning. And yet, from where we stand today, it just seems almost impossible. Like Paul saying this. It's been over 2,000 years. You know, how come, what's hat, why, why not? Just, but we know that he's not slow to act. That a day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years like a day. His timing is always perfect. And here's what we always need to remember, that nobody is beyond his reach. And his promises will not fail. That he is a faithful God. You know what? At this time, nobody seemed farther away from the Jews. At Jesus' time, nobody seemed farther away from the Jews than the Gentiles, especially living in that Roman context. They weren't near it. They had many gods. They had all kinds of gods. They weren't looking to the true God. They weren't worshiping. What are these people? These are the Gentiles. We don't want anything to do with them because they have nothing that, that represents true God. How far away were they? And do you see how quickly God brought them near? As soon as that gospel was preached, as soon as God Christ was raised, the gospel started going out shortly after that to Jerusalem, then Judea, Samaria, to the remotest parts of the earth. So those people that seem so far away, almost impossible, how were they ever going to believe they have their God? What did the gospel do? It turned the world upside down, and people believed in Jesus Christ, and people loved Christ, and people began to live their life for Jesus Christ. That's the time of the Gentiles. That's where the gospel is going now. You could track that gospel, the westward movement of the gospel, how it's come and even come to us, and it's continuing on. Right? That's it. So we, we, we don't, we don't want to get too discouraged in that. Because nobody was farther away from God than the pagan Gentiles and he brought them near. How much more when he brings his people near that have the oracles of God, that have those promises from God. Nobody seemed more unlikely a candidate for salvation, if you want to bring it down on a personal level, than Paul the Apostle. He was a Jew himself, right? He wasn't loving the Christians. He was hating the Christians. He was persecuting the Christians. He wanted to kill the Christians. And God struck him down. And he saw the light. And spiritually, that's what happens to each one of us as we come to faith. He takes us and makes us his own. We see our sin. We see his salvation. And we love him. Nobody was more of an unlikely candidate than the thief on the cross. How likely was he a candidate to be saved in that way? See that the impossibility of God is what's so amazing. That he does, he's a God of the impossible. He does the impossible. How's this guy going to be saved? He's a killer. He's a murderer. He deserves to die. What if he killed one of your relatives? And there's that, he deserves to be in hell because of what he did. And yet Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. That's the mercy and the grace that's received by God. So we never despise that grace of God and we continue to preach the gospel. 
For us, our focus, and what we take out of this especially, is that we as Christians must always be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to all people. Never take for granted, because I know there's a whole block of Christians, and I said this last week, who look at the Jewish people and kind of believe that they're de facto Christians. That is not true. You know, kind of treat them as just kind of distant relatives that, you know, they're, they're just there. They really don't even need much. You know, No, 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 no. But we don't despise them either, like the world is doing today. We do not do that. Oh, those are the Jews, and they're getting what they deserve, and they did this. We don't do that. What we do is we honor the word of God, and we honor the Lord, and we preach the gospel, that message that comes to the Jews. And how cool is this? That message that emanated from them in that way now comes back to them ostensibly from Gentiles like us. You see the whole circle thing? So we need to preach that gospel. From Gentiles converted like us, like Paul, and unlike most of the rest of the world, has a heart for these people, has a heart for all people, absolutely, in every single way. But we can't deny what Paul is saying here. There are enemies for our sake, but in regards to election, beloved by God, that the liberal will come from Zion. And this is in the future. He's speaking to fleshly, not to the to the church at this point. Christ has already come for us. They're going to know their Savior. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Their sins are taken away. That's the joy. That's the hope. That's what we have in Christ. That's why we preach it. That's why we live it. That's why we go forth with the message of the gospel.